This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Cullen, dear draw the sorrows, grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan and I'm your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 122 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast we are telling the story about the fourth landing of the island of Ireland and we are back in very familiar territory. This is the story of the arrival of the fear bulk. But before we get down to that, I want to give a very big welcome to any new and returning listeners. If you're a new listener and you listen to this episode, why don't you go right back to the very beginning, 121 episodes ago, and see what we've been building up to over the journey of Fireside so far. And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so much for your continued support. Please follow me over on Instagram, at Fireside Bard, if you want to check out some of my poetry, some of my other work. It's the best place to get in contact with me. If you really want to support the podcast, and join the community of Fireside and the Fireside supporters, please do so over on headstuffpodcast.com where you can join Headstuff Plus, where for a fee of five euro a month, although you can pay whatever you want, you can gain access to not only bonus episodes and content for Fireside, but also for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And there are many great ones that you should also support. And you get to support an independent podcast and an independent podcast network. It's all very homegrown. It's all very earthy and mossy. So join Headstuff Plus and come along. Anybody who follows me over on Instagram, who anyone is looking for any more incentive to uh, join me for Poetry Day Ireland tomorrow, which will be uh, tomorrow as of the day this will come out. Uh, on the 29th of April, it's Poetry Day Ireland, where I'm doing an Instagram live on myth in Irish poetry. I'm going to be having a, a read of some of the great poets and the poetry and the mythology surrounding that poetry. And I'm even going to be reading some of my own and playing some tunes and some songs. Just going to be a nice thing to do. That's going to be from 8pm to 9pm Irish time on Poetry Day Ireland, 29th of April. I'd love to see some of you there and uh, the best thing about the poetry are the instagram lives which i have not done one of so far is of course that you can you check in when you start viewing us you know you can message in so it, it's a really nice chance for us to sit at the fireside together uh, but if you're not on instagram or you don't get to the poet or the instagram live i'm going to leave the video for a while and then i'm going to use the audio of it as a bonus 
episode for the supporters of Headstuff Plus. So the supporters will get a chance to listen to it there. And speaking of supporters, I want to give a big thank you to the two latest for this week. That is Martina Rafferty and Rebecca Garvey. Thank you so much for joining up Headstuff Plus. They're joining Matthew Hill, Elizabeth Frizz, Dara Courtney, Kevin Magner and Shane Grogan as the most recent from this batch of the last couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Headstuff Plus is a brand new thing, so we appreciate your support immensely. And I also want to give a thank you to a newest patron who is Deanna Garrison. I hope I've... Is it Dina or Deanna? I'd say Dina. Dina Garrison. Thank you so much for joining over on Patreon. The Patreon account is still there. So thank you, Dina, and joining Kelly McDonald and Gretchen Ingram as the latest patrons for the last month. And with that, it's time to get down to a little story. I can't believe we're here already. This... How these past few months have gone on the podcast has been quite exciting and quite new and I've kind of been flying on the seat of my pants a little bit in that I didn't have this plan to explore these these five six these six landings of Ireland because as I've said a couple of times before in the last few episodes I didn't think there was six stories to be gained Irish mythology starts with the Tua de Danon for all intents and purposes, and these five previous landings were all from this Book of Invasions, which was this quite controversial Christian text that's main point was to link Christian doctrine to, to pagan myth and to, to tell those early pagan Irish that their gods were not gods but they were heroes and that their gods were still connected to Christianity and it was a conversion tool, an indoctrinating tool. So I didn't think there'd be as much narrative juice there but how wrong I was and how what great characters and great stories it's yielded. But it's crazy being here at the Fearbolg because this is, this is where we began. You know, when we began with episode two, our first episode of mythology, where we talked about the landing of the Tua de Danan, we spoke about the fear bullock from the point of view of the Tua de Danan arriving to this birthright land, and the fear bullock were, at best, this inconvenience to negotiate with, and at worst, this enemy for the Tua de Danan to liberate the island from. And now we hear the other side of the story and we will chat more as always of course but this is the arrival of the fear bullock on fireside the arrival of the fear bullock Thinton McBokra had been in the form of various wild animals for hundreds of years. He had been in the form of a hawk and salmon and everything in between. He always returned to human form. But over the years, Thinton began to take on more and more traits of the animals. Each year, his human form would become hairier, more feral, more animalistic. One day, Ireland's first druid saw his own reflection in a pool of water and was horrified by what he saw. He saw a ragged old man, one far removed from the humanity he had known when he first arrived in Era with his beloved wife, Cesar. 
The years had been hard and rough. He had watched the great flood drown all of his own people. He had watched the Parthalonians come and settle and be ravaged and killed by plague. He had then watched the Nemedians come and the same thing happen through war with the sea pirates, the Fomorians. When a final force of Nemedians had fought and lost against the Fomorian stronghold of Tory Island, the thirty Nemedian survivors all fled from Ireland. The Fomorians were left on Tory Island, and Fintan MacBochra once again was Ireland's only inhabitant. Nemed's grandson, Semyon, had been one of those thirty surviving Nemedians. He had taken a boat filled with the clay and soil of Era and fled to mainland Greece. His aim had been to return to Scythia, the ancestral home of his grandfather. But once Semyon arrived in Greece, he was immediately enslaved. During this enslavement, Semyon had a family and began the lineage of an entirely new people. Soon Semyon's descendants numbered thousands, all under the cruel slavery of the Greeks. They were forced to carry large sacks of clay over immensely infertile and barren land. The only land they were given to call their own was dominated by poisonous snakes. But the bags of Irish clay that had been carried by Semyon from Era gave the people an enchantment which protected them from danger. Being forced to haul heavy bags of clay over inhospitable land and being protected by an enchanted bag of clay gave this people their amusing but apt name, the Fear Bullock, or the Men of Bags. Back in Era, after being horrified by his own reflection, Fintan MacBochra sought something new, a new form. That night he dreamt of strength, pride, and regality, and the next morning Fintan awoke and he had taken the form of a great stag. Again he was young and tall and powerful. He was no longer the ragged, weak creature he had seen in his own reflection. The stag Fintan was able to defend himself from all of Era's predators, and with his great antlers he felt like he had finally become the king of Era, the role he had always been destined for, but had ran from the responsibility of. And so it went for 250 years. The fear bullock carried clay as slaves of ancient Greece, and Fintan MacBochra protected himself and the island of Era in the form of a stag. But even the most powerful and deeply rooted magic grows old and weak, and after two and a half centuries, the stag was no longer able to defend himself as he once could. A local pack of wolves began to smell the weaker scent of the aging stag they had always feared. They surrounded Fintan's cave and demanded he give himself up to the pack. The weak but still proud stag came out and asked the wolves for one more day on this earth before they would devour him. The wolves were a vicious but still noble animal and they allowed the stag this one final night. 
But on that same night, Fintan McBorkra dreamt that he was in the form of a boar. He woke up the next morning, and once again was young and powerful, and the boar emerged from the cave with his great tusks and fought gored and defended himself from the pack of wolves who once again were forced to submit to the animal king of Ireland. It was at the point of this metamorphosis that the Fearbolog of Greece had grown tired of their enslavement. They had long dreamed of the land of Era, the soil of which protected them from the poisonous snakes of their own land. One day they would escape, one day they would return, and one day they did just that. The Fearbolag fashioned boats out of canvas, what we would now call a curra. And what else can canvas be used to make? That's right, bags. The Fearbolag settled on Ireland, which they divided into five provinces. Ulster, Connacht, Meath, Leinster and Munster. They named the central province of Meath after their ancestor, Meath, who was the primary druid of Nemed, who had established the centre of the island on the hill of Ishnach. This was the place the island would be ruled from, because the central province of Meath could be a neutral meeting ground for the other four provinces of Leinster, Munster, Ulster and Connacht. The Fearbolag also set up petty kingdoms with a ruler in each of the five provinces, but in Meath, on the hill of Tara, it was the Fearbolag who established the role of one king over all others, the High King of Ireland. The Fearbolag were a race known for their hardship and their suffering, and so they were not a naturally combative people. The Fomorians had remained isolated on Tory Island and their homeland of Fomor. As such, the Fearbolag and the Fomorians were able to live in a relative peace and harmony. But thirty-seven years passed, and in that time there were nine Fearbolag High Kings of Ireland. The last and best of these was Yucky MacArk. Yucky introduced a system of justice in Era, and it was said that while he was king, no rain fell in Ireland. Merely enough dew to keep the island green and fertile. Also, under Yucky's rule, there was a harvest festival held every single year. But after ten years of rule, a stranger came to the gates of Tara. He announced himself as the original inhabitant of Era. He looked ancient, decrepit, and severely insane. My name is Fenton McBorkra, and I bring a warning. The warning was that another race had landed on the west coast of the island. They had arrived in enchanted flying ships, and they had emerged from a great mist. No one knew who or what these creatures were. Is it the Fomorians? asked Yucky. No, replied Fintan. I know the Fomorians when I see them. These people share a descendant with yours. When the Nemedians were all but defeated and the last thirty spread across the world, your ancestor Semyon returned to Greece, but another went north. These Nemedians settled in four cities, 
Phalius, Gorius, Phineas, and Morius. There they learned arts, culture, and magic. This magic makes them dangerous. They call themselves the people of the goddess Danu, or the Toa de Danan. Yuki was immediately distressed by this news. He sent out his greatest warrior Sreng to parley with the representative of these Toa de Danan, Brez. It was warrior meeting warrior, but not a drop of blood was spilled that day, for Sreng and Brez found that they actually got on really quite well. Nice sword, said Sreng. That is some shield, replied Brez. Sreng returned with the demands of Nuda, king of the Toa de Danon. Nuda says, because we are descended from the same stock, we each have a right to the bounty of Ireland. He proposes we divide the nation in two. Yuki was immediately put in a very difficult position, as high kings often are. The Fear Bullock were not built for war, and these magical fairy people and he were distant relatives. But the Fear Bullock had also endured 230 years of hardship and slavery in Greece. Here in Era they had lived free and prosperous for 37 years. Yuki McIrk would not give that up without a fight. He said, If we take this line down and give up half of the island, what's to stop these other exiles returning and laying claim? We must defend our honour now to stave off future bloodshed. And so, war was declared. The two groups met at the Pass of Belgatan, and so began the first great battle of Moitara. For four days the two armies hacked and slashed and fought each other. They were well matched, but soon the edge of the Tuadedanan came into focus in the form of the Morrigan. The triple goddess of battle spread confusion through the ranks of the Firbolg. They had not known rain in the ten years of Yuki McIrk's reign, but the Morrigan made it rain blood. This added dread and fear into the minds of the resilient Firbolg. A light came when Sreng, greatest warrior and commander of the armies of the Firbolg, met with the king of the Tuadedanan Nuda in single combat. With one swing of his sword, Sreng cut off Nuda's arm, incapacitating the king of their enemy. But for four days, the Morrigan had dried up all of the water supplies of the Fear Bullock, and King Yuki McIrk grew more and more thirsty. He and his armed guard left the battlefield in search of water for his army. But once lured away, the Morrigan found the king of the Fearbulg and cut him down where he stood. The Morrigan was vicious, wicked, and unmerciful, but she was still respectful and noble. And the Morrigan buried Yucky McIrk and erected a grave and wrote his name in Ohm. With the death of their king, the Fearbulg were defeated, but because of the valiance with which they had fought, the survivors were spared, and because of their familial allegiance, they were rewarded. Sreng became the new king of what remained of the Fear Bullock, 
and the Tour de Danen gave them the consolation prize of their choice of province to rule. The Firbolg chose Connacht to the west. However, virtually no mention of the Men of Bags appears past the First Battle of Moitara. Some believe it is because the survivors fled, but far more likely, the Firbolg quickly mingled and assimilated with the Tour de Danen. After all, they were each of them descendants of Nemeth. And one significant figure, Ferdia, hero of the Thorn, and the blood brother turned rival of Cú Cullen, was said to be a descendant of the Fearbulloch. During the previous battle, Fintan MacBorkra had finally got off the fence and got involved. He fought on the side of the Fearbulloch, but following their defeat, returned to the wilderness to observe the fifth inhabitants of Era. These fifth inhabitants would bring more to this tiny, windy island than any before. They would become gods we still know today, and they would give the island its name, named for the sovereignty goddess, Eru. The arrival of the Tour de Danen marks the centre of the cycle of Irish mythology. All roads lead to their landing, but their landing is only the beginning to be continued. And that is the story of the arrival of the Fearbolog on Fireside. I love this story. I love we have come back around. This is where you get the full feeling of why of these are cycles of Irish mythologies. You know, because they just constantly loop back around to each other. And we have finally really looped back around with this far more than I thought we would when we finished uh, the Ulster cycle and the King cycle all the way last year. But there's something so narratively satisfying about coming back to this beginning point with all that we have learned. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for the beginning, I hope that you can get that sense. I know people listen to it in different ways. There's people who listen to it every week. There's people who have binged it all at once, you know. And sometimes I need to remind myself of these stories as we're going through when there's so many of them now. And I'm the one adapting and researching and writing them. But there's a couple of great things about this. First of all, most importantly, like we're getting the POV of the Fearbulg. We're we're getting this humanizing of the Fearbulg that we never really have had before. Because, like I said at the end there, we never really hear from them again. They don't really feature in any other stories. They're kind of wiped out, all except for the only mention of a descendant of the Fearbulg that I have come across so far, certainly, uh, the only one of note, is Ferdia in the Tawn. And I, I really like that, that uh, he is this represented because he is this great warrior of Connacht, and they chose the province of Connacht. It's hard to know why the Fearbulg did choose the province of Connacht. So they were given the choice. The two of them didn't want to fight. They just thought, we're both descended from Nemed, so let's just divide the island in half and live in harmony with each other, which was a good deal. But I also understand Yuki's point of view that if he had done that, like, of those 30 remaining Nemedians who had fled to the four corners of the world, any amount of them could have come back, but they also could have eventually lived in harmony together. But I understand Yuki's 
reasons for going to war. But then once they're defeated, rather than kicking them out of Ireland or enslaving the rest of them or murdering the rest of them, the Tuatha-Danann give the Fyrbolg their choice of one of the five provinces. So instead of, they don't get half anymore, but they still get a full province. But we are told they do get their choice. They aren't given one. It's just interesting that they didn't... I guess they couldn't have chosen Meath. Because Meath would probably be the one you'd think they would choose because that's where they were ruling from. You know, they had established this centre. I suppose I wonder about Connacht because that is where the Tuatadanan landed. And not where the Fearbulg landed. So... It's interesting that they chose the place where their enemy was 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 first came first came from and first arrived on the island of Ireland. But I think that more than anything, they choose Connacht so that it can connect with Queen Maeve and King Alil and Ferdia. It roots that very much so. But it's interesting that we do never hear from the Fear Bullock again, and. While I'm on that point, I wanted to talk about the Fomorians a little bit, who who don't feature in this story as much as they have in the last couple, but they are there, they are mentioned, and we do know that the Tuatadanum will then go on to fight this great war against the Fomorians, and that will be the second battle of Moitara, which is the great battle of Moitara. That is the big one, and... I read a thing a few months ago that I've spoken a little bit about, which is that the it is thought that the Fomorians were a representative for otherworldly and natural disasters and plagues, so that like famine and pestilence, flood, that all of these manifestate that the Fomorians were the manifestation and the personification of all of these dread and anxieties and these real-world things that could happen to people. But they are very much characters. They are very much a people that are described in such dramatically different ways as as sea monsters, as giants, as having one arm, one leg, one eye. And yet they're also totally human because they share family with the Tuatadanan. And the thing is, they're not considered one of the six landings. This six landings thing seems to have come originally from sort of an arbitrary place to coordinate with the six ages of the world. And I suppose the the seven days, and like on the seventh day the God rested, so like the six days of building the world. Uh, so the two of the down and they're the fifth. So the, our, our six landings, now that we've we've kind of had them all over the course of the podcast... We've got Cesar uh, coming from ancient Greece, granddaughter of Noah. Uh, we have Partholon from ancient Greece. We have Nemed. We have the Fearbug. We have the Tuatadanann, and then finally we have the Gales. And that's us. That's the current people living on Ireland. It's kind of been the same since the Gales. So those are the six landings, and the Fomorians are not one of those, even though they are described as living on the island many times. So it is interesting that they never quite get their their landing, you know, and we never really, they never really stuck here, despite sharing this family with so many of these different races, which gives a good argument for their ethereal and environmental nature. But it is, it is very interesting. 
Another thing I've spoken about before that I actually finally got to the bottom of, it's something I should have found out a long time ago, but I finally thought to look it up and find out. Um, the province of Meath. So Ireland was five provinces, it is now four. Uh, Meath is now no longer a province and hasn't been for a long, long time. It is because it's two counties now. It's Meath and Westmeath, which are very, very different counties now. So I always wondered at what point, because in mythology, Meath is always referred to as a province. It is the central province, the neutral territory, and it is where the Hill of Tara is. It is where the High King of Ireland rules from throughout all the cycles of Irish mythology. And suddenly I I never knew what whatever happened to it. And I finally found out that it was like a huge amount of consequence that happened in Ireland and to Ireland. It was kind of because of Henry VIII. So I'd like to read you a little bit of thing. Henry had broken away from the Holy See and declared himself the head of the church in England and subsequently refused to recognize the Roman Catholic Church's vestigial sovereignty over Ireland. For this reason, and also to address England's waning power in Ireland, Henry proclaimed the Kingdom of Ireland in 1542 with himself as its monarch. The following year, the counties of Meath and Westmeath Act was passed by the Parliament of Ireland and Meath was officially divided in two. The Act was intended to allow a more effective administration in both counties, particularly in Westmeath, which England had lost control of. A new shire town at Mullingar was established along with four new baronries, while Trim retained its status as the shire town of Meath. So yet in the Act, the Counties of Meath and Westmeath Act was passed to give the British more control over Ireland. They felt like if they divided this province in two, but such a symbolic gesture to, to literally tear apart the very place where that was so important to those ancient Irish of of where their high kings from. It was such an undermining of the beliefs of the country for the previous the previous a thousand years at least. And I just find that very interesting because also yeah, like Henry the Eighth was the first English king of Ireland. He was the first one the British had had control over Ireland since the Norman times, since like Henry II. But Henry VIII was actually the first one who called himself the King of England and Ireland. And that was the way it was until Ireland was, was liberated and we won our independence. So Henry was actually also the, the first one to introduce the harp as a symbol of Ireland, which is, I always think, an immensely interesting thing because that has become like the, the symbol of Ireland. Fintan McBokra is another one I want to talk about. Uh, it's been great getting to know him more and more, and he gives this story a nice through line. It, it, we have a rare thing in this episode of Fireside in that we have a main plot and a subplot. Usually there isn't the time or the narrative need to have a subplot, but Fintan gives us a real through line because we don't really meet any proper characters in the Fearbulg, certainly until they arrive in Ireland and when we get Yucky McCurk and Srang. But Fintan McBochra gives us a nice through line there and I really liked this element of finding out what he's been doing in Ireland over these years because Fintan is going to kind of only grow more and more, which is really exciting. It's it's It again is just like having discovered this new character that has always been there that we've un unexplored. So I have a couple of stories that are going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks that are entirely centered around Fintan. And, you know, he's he's in the Thorn, he's in 
He's in the Fenian cycle. He's in the historical cycle. So it's it's going to be very interesting, and it's a very exciting new key in that we can make our way back through the unexplored aspects of the four cycles of Irish mythology with this new POV, with this new character of of Fintan McBokra. And I look forward to having more and more crack with him and having more and more crack with all of you. So I will wrap, I will wrap things up there. Uh, that was a lot of fun, that episode. Uh, great, great crack. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it too and you could hear the enjoyment in my voice please do follow me over on instagram at fireside bard uh email me at the fireside bard at gmail.com if you're not on on instagram uh, join me poetry day ireland 29th of april over on instagram uh for an exploration of myth in irish poetry both established poetry and my very own as well as some music and a few tunes looking forward to it yet never done instagram live before but i'm looking forward to marking poetry day ireland very much so thanks so much to alan paddy and connor and everyone over at headstuff i next week we will have a story for episode one two three we have the story of the field of garters a great a great new folk tale another tale of the leprechaun would you believe I cannot believe it. I doing another story about the leprechaun, but I really like this one. This one is uh, it might even be better than the three laughs of the leprechaun. This might be my favorite leprechaun story I've found, but we'll see what y'all think. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside and also join Headstuff Plus. I forgot to say that there. Remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, oh, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank <laughs> you.